Hey folks, Sean here, and in this episode, I want to talk to you about how to ensure that you are building your B2B SaaS in a cost-effective way, especially from beginning to when you really start to ramp. Now, there's a lot that we can dive into here. I'm going to start with the basics with this episode, and I'm going to talk about more of these details over time as an installment in a sub-series of the podcast, which is related to solution engineering, solution design, any of this tech-related stuff to help you better understand which, as they call them, design patterns you should ideally follow. So the first thing I want to talk about is your hosting environments and your development tools or your kind of development stack. Now, when it comes to any of your choices here, when you're just starting out, I recommend you pick whatever helps you create the experience that you know is going to be important for your target market customer that adequately solves the problem that you're setting out to solve in the easiest and most cost-effective way that enables you to bring that solution to market as fast as possible. So if you blend those elements together, ask yourself, what is it gonna take to launch this product as quickly as possible that adequately solves the problem? And then layer on the most cost-effective element in that component as well also. Keep in mind, we build these products because they scale, right? So if you keep the solution to your problem relatively simple, that is a balancing act, then you're going to make all of these things significantly easier. If the solution is simpler, it's not gonna take as much time or effort to design and build. It's not gonna take as much intense solution engineering in order to get the tech correct. Now, beyond that, some of the details that I talk about as well and some of the transitions that I've made are from some easier tech stack tools to get started with to the more complex up to and including the custom ones. Now, when it comes to developing your product, what's popular these days or continuing to become more popular are the so-called no-code or low-code stacks, like your Bubbles, and there's a few other platforms out there like Bubble.io. That's essentially kind of an ecosystem for building an app similar to WordPress for building a website in that you don't really need to get super technical. You can use these like GUI based, which are graphical user interface based tools in order to drag and drop things around and create your website with a WordPress. You could do the same with a bubble.io in building your prototype. Now I've used bubble specifically extensively and I would largely not recommend it. I mean, if you are non-technical, yes, I totally get it. And you want to play around yourself. I think Bubble is okay for MVP prototyping purposes, but it, the tool doesn't really scale all that well, and it's actually quite a bit more limited than you might you might imagine. Now they don't they're not forthcoming with this in a lot of their marketing, but having done so myself, I end up hoping to push the product further, and it oftentimes just can't. It just can't do what you can do when you're building custom. So if you're going to use a no code or low code tool. I would uh, recommend you do that just for the prototyping phase. And that's totally okay. I've done that before myself, where you might cobble together a couple of pieces to create an experience. If you're testing to see whether or not people will buy what it is you're building or purchase your solution, if you're not sure about that, that's where I like the low code, no code tools. They're great for cobbling something together relatively quickly, getting it out there and testing it. So that's the use case for those tools. Beyond that, and if you have data that suggests people are going to buy what you're selling, 
I would recommend you go right to custom, custom engineering. And even if you're non-technical, you can go to platforms like Upwork and you can find developer talent relatively quickly and easily. If you've got a process for interviewing them, testing them, and my best advice there is if you're looking to hire a developer to build something, create a simple development task, just like a test project, if you will, and then find three developers, hire all of them to complete the test task and see what it's like, see what their communication is like, their responsiveness is like, how quickly they're able to accomplish the task, how closely do they match what it was you were looking for, right? Evaluate how well all of them perform and then ultimately hire the best or choose the best to build the version of your product that you're up to at the moment. So that's the that's as it pertains to these no-code, low-code platforms. Basically, should you go with the builders? Should you go custom? That's my best advice there and how to find people to help you out. And then the other thing I'll mention, which I'll talk more about in future episodes as well too, are other elements related to the performance of your product, which is like hosting platforms, for example. Now, for the longest time, the platform Heroku was very popular because it was a lot easier. Kind of took the Pareto principle, which is the 80% of the features you need come from 20% of them principle and applied it to hosting. And it it's built, Heroku's built on AWS, but they ultimately extracted just the most important things that you needed and made it a lot easier to get up and running with a lot of them. Because AWS is complicated, heavy, and you really need to know what you're doing in order to get value out of it. So that was the value proposition from Heroku. And to an extent, some of it is still there. But since Heroku has been purchased by Salesforce, in my opinion, the whole experience has kind of gone south. And I don't get as much value out of it. I find it a lot harder to use. They're trying to monetize every little thing. So it, it's, it reeks of it's been purchased by a larger company who needs to recoup their investment. And as such, that's kind of ruining the experience a little bit. So if Heroku helps you get off the ground more quickly, still, yes, Heroku. If not, I would recommend you learn one of the more complex but much, much more powerful platforms like a AWS or an Azure. My particular preference is AWS. So I'm converting all my products over to AWS that were on Heroku. So far, the performance, flexibility, versatility, all these things are so much better. But it does take quite a bit of time to get familiar with those platforms. Good news for you is if you found kind of the right tech help for your team, they should be able to manage most of the stuff for you. But anyway, I wanted to talk solution design. I wanted to talk some of these design patterns with regard to going from zero to one and then realistically from one to 10. So I'd start with whatever gets you off the ground, quick, easy, uh, quick, easy, and cost effectively. So with the zero to one phase, um, which might be, you know, builder tools, which might be platforms like Heroku. Um, Bubble has some of their own hosting, so you wouldn't even need Heroku in that instance. But if you do, I understand it's use case there. And then when you're going one to 10, you're pulling in paying customers or having a good time, you're looking to grow, look for areas of opportunity to upgrade some of these other ways, and then potentially consider starting custom engineering right from the beginning, because you'll be able to do whatever you want for the foreseeable future. If you build a prototype, uh, with any of those other platforms and you haven't built custom, just keep in mind that you're gonna have to rebuild from zero when you switch to custom more than likely. You're not really gonna be able to build onto those platforms. They're just for testing purposes only. 
Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.